Bada bing, bada boom. Is that the real bada bing? Bada no, bada I was no. just kidding. <laughs> okay. Is the, uh, no the workout? <laughs> I gotta I get that. It's been two weeks, hasn't it? So I gotta get the cobwebs out. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Like sands through the hourglass, these are the gay days of our lives. I'm Tom, in the middle. I'm Daniel on the left. I'm Carl. Or on the right, excuse me. I'm Carl on the left. There we also. go. That's it. I hear you on the right. Do you? Uh, well, then you got your headphones. You got your headphones backwards. Everyone, turn your headphones around. <laughs> like it really matters, but uh, I do think uh, correct stereo does matter. Uh, left is left, and right is right. So righty tighty, lefty loosey. One of my friends, Scott, wrote to me and said, "I'm really enjoying the interplay of the generations." And this is the, he is the second person to have said almost verbatim the same thing about our shows with two of us oldsters and one of us youngsters <laughs> to offset whatever whatever we have that needs to be offset or augmented. The balance of opposites. Yeah. You know, yeah. with any good relationship, professional, personal, or anywhere in between, I think it all starts with good communication, and that's what we all have here. We communicate well with each other, and it shows. Okay. Well, I'll take that. Now, as a stimulus to our discussion, Daniel, you had us all watch a short film just Correct. now. Can you describe where it came from? Or what so, I, so I subscribe to a gay, gay and lesbian type of um, uh, online streaming service. It's here.tv. And it's, um, I guess, media that you wouldn't find online anywhere else. They've kind of pulled it all together and have a place that will host, um, you know, independent films that um, are gay, lesbian, or bisexual, or something different. And the movie we just watched was a short film and um, from a series of five different movies. That any range anywhere between ten to fifteen minutes long, so all um, so the five series they're not connected; they're independent of each other, and it's uh, and the series is referred to as the gay agenda. The gay agenda, and the one we watched was called Mass. Correct, M A S S. M A S S, like church. I thought it was Mass, as in pounds or kilograms or something like that is how I took it. Correct. A play on words, you can say. Sure. And it's, in case you all want to look it up, here TV, that's H-E-R-E dot TV, but it does require a login or you have to pay. Correct. It's so we're not going to give you the free login, but you'll have to get your own. But <laughs> it's worth it. I would say whatever you're paying for it is worth it. It's pretty provocative. Mm-hmm. A guy named Linus Ignatius made the thing, and I guess he stars in it. Correct. He's the main guy in it. <clears throat> so, Daniel, can you give us a synopsis? So, again, it's a 10-minute long film, so they do a really good job. Every second counts. It really, um, you don't have a lot of time to get a lot of information out there. So it's kind of, I guess it takes place all in one day. A guy um, going to the gym early in the morning, um, 
with, you don't know this up front, and it's not very explicit, but the movie's called Gay Agenda, or the series is called Gay Agenda, so I guess you can assume that the character in the movie is gay. But that's not apparent when you first watch it. In the first scene, they're in a gym, and we don't see any women. It's all men in Correct. the gym. And they're all being a bit flirtatious, non-verbally, somewhat, I think. I think it, in any gym, whether it's gay, straight, or whatever, um, guys spend more time looking at other guys in the you gym. check out the competition. Yeah. Okay. It did seem pretty obvious that... Linus, we'll call him, no, well, he had a name. What's, what's his name in the thing? I have no idea. I don't remember. Uh, somebody was named Blake. That was the hookup. The other guy. Okay, anyway. Linus, the main character, the hero. After he's in the gym, he weighs himself in the gym, and then next we see him in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And what's happening there? He's eating, he's eating a hamburger, and he sees uh, another guy across the lobby eating a hamburger as well. Very macho guy, taking big bites. And he then... It was a competition. Yeah, as if it was a competition to see who could take the biggest bite, who could, you know, eat the most, or put the biggest piece of meat in their mouth. It's very metaphorical. It's quite a metaphorical scene. (laughs) And then what happens? Then um, he, I guess he loses the competition. He makes a huge mess all over his shirt. He chokes. He drops ketchup on his lovely white shirt. Mm Mm-hmm. Then the next thing that happens, we see him at the doctor's office. Correct. And then at that point in the movie, I would say, again, it's a 10 to 15 minute long movie, so we're probably in minute nine. Mm-hmm. And he asked the doctor, are my, are my undetectable now? So at that point in the movie, fairly late in the movie, is when he is outed, I guess you could say. And the doctor gives him the, the, I guess, the regular line. It's like, it can take up to three months to become undetectable. Then he says, well, it's probably been about six to eight weeks. So then you know he's HIV positive. The next thing that happens, he's at home with his dog. Mm-hmm. And he dials up Grinder on his phone. Correct. And what happens? And he arranges an encounter with a guy named Blake okay. with a really big penis. How do we know that? Oh, that's right. There's a little picture of it. There's a little fuzzed-out picture of it. Okay. (laughs) Blake comes over, and they have a little short exchange that does not include anything about their status. Right. Although... He's approaching it or trying to get there. He's trying to get it out there. Like, I need to tell you something. He's like, no, I just want to get down to business. I don't care what you have to say. And Blake wants it a certain way, is that correct? Correct. And Bear what back. is that? Bareback. Right, okay. So our hero doesn't find a way to stop him. Correct. No, he's choked. That's twice in the episode he's choked. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. And so, I also feel like it's, um, it, it kind of plays out like, I want to tell you, and you're not letting me tell you. And I think there's a conscious decision to, okay, here we are. We're doing it. We're doing this. And doesn't Blake say something about protein early on? Yeah. Something. That, and it, the clear implication is he wants to deliver some protein is how I took Correct. it. Correct. Yeah. In other words, Blake is going to top 
and the hero is going to bottom. Correct. And that's exactly how it plays out. Yeah. And no, we don't see anything up close. It's this is <laughs> this is considered a hard R, but it's certainly not an X. It may not even be a hard R. It might be a PG thirteen. Probably is a PG thirteen. Who knows nowadays? <clears throat> but in but at the end of the movie, um, so they're they're getting down to business. Blake then finishes and gets up during the during the coitus experience. Um, the hero begins to cry. And the the look on his face doesn't look like he's enjoying the experience. I think it. I think there. And I I mentioned this a little off mic um, a couple of days ago that it kind of reminded me of rape, consent. That was what started this whole thing, wasn't it? Correct. The whole concept of consent. Now, what? There's one final scene that we haven't described. Okay. After Blake leaves, there's a dip to black, and then they come back up. And what's happening? You'll have to refresh my memory. He weighs himself at the oh, gym. Oh, yes. It's the next day at the gym. He weighs himself. And in the first weighing, he was 179 pounds. What is he in the final weighing? A 180. Thus, the title, Mass. That's Correct. how I look at it. Yeah. What do I know? And, and you see him excited that he's putting mm-hmm. on some weight. Yeah, or that he acquired some mass, <laughs> it, however he acquired it. Yeah, <laughs> the idea of the guy delivering a pound of protein—I think that's pretty far-fetched. <laughs> what are your thoughts, though, on the last, the I guess the scene before the last scene, where he is crying? Well, I guess for one thing, what guys got to go through to get anywhere. Uh, if this was a hookup and they had agreed beforehand, we talked about that too, that you discuss every aspect before you start, and they apparently didn't. I, I think everything's a negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yet, uh, when they were face-to-face at the guy's house, uh, the gr- the agreement was really made at that point that yes you're going to bottom for me I'm going to top you period and then what happened beyond that is really up to the guy who's on top mm-hmm. and and that's the aspect for it I suppose that and what excites a lot of guys is that when you are at the bottom position you are at the mercy of whoever is fucking you mm-hmm. Would you say, though, that was the case in this instance? That he wanted to be submissive to a dominant top? If he really was getting raped, he would have resisted more. Yes. Okay. And there was no resistance. Right. There was, there was uh, fake resistance. There so, was uh, symbolic. So why cry? What's the crying symbolic of? Well, maybe it wasn't rape, okay, but, you know, in, uh, in rape, really to be honest. Was or was he, uh, was it fear and contempt for the way that he was? That yes. He was, he was not ever going to be the same as the guys he was working out with. There's that. I think also that he regretted not telling Blake. Correct. I had, he had his chance, and uh-huh. he totally blew it. Mm-hmm. And 
was a wuss in every sense yeah, of the word. Yeah, I was submissive mm-hmm. at that point. It's just that, well, that you're you're this take, far. You're take me. yeah. Mm-hmm. Your knees deep. You know. I don't know. I don't think it's ever too late to if you if you're starting to have anxiety. I think it's always possible to stop and say stop. We have to stop. Correct. There's something that has to happen here. But to to completely, well, I don't know about completely, but uh, he obviously had conflict. He was very good. These people are pretty good actors. Correct. At least he was. That he conveyed all this nonverbal information. That here we are talking about all this nonverbal. We have no idea what's going through his mind. That's his job as an Correct. actor. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I asked you is about production values, because as an engineer and editor type person, I'm always watching those mechanical parts mm-hmm. to see how good are these people at what they do. And the production and they're, they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. The lighting was really good, and the acting was good, and the concept was good. So, so we're talking about all this nonverbal stuff, and I would like to yeah. kind of switch into nonverbal consent, which you, you see in saunas, bathhouses, you know, the locker room shower, for example. What are your thoughts? My thoughts on nonverbal consent, like opening your legs and letting the towel fall off, that kind of consent? Or is consent or, given when someone's touching you? Well, if you don't if you don't pull back, if you don't scooch over, if you don't put some space between you and, and the toucher, I'd say yes. That's it's consent. That's a form of consent. That, okay. That's uh, more than consent. It's uh, a will to play. I think. Correct. I, I think it's a signal. Negotiation. The negotiation. Right. Yes, and it's all nonverbal. You yeah. you don't yeah. know <laughs> what you don't know and. You are well. That's the excitement. Of the whole I agree. Thing. We don't know what's going to happen, or where this is going to lead, or what what signal is going to be presented to me, and how I'm going to respond to it. None of that is verbalized at all. It's, it's all a mass of animal Correct. feelings at that point. Yeah, animals yeah. don't talk. They communicate by scent and mm-hmm. and just cavemen. Cavemen force. We're, how different are we than cavemen? We're not. We all have basic needs. We have this huge overlay of language that's only in the last, I don't know, five or 10,000 years or something like that. Before that, how were people behaving? How did people communicate before we had this manipulation of our vocal cords? When you're th- I think how utterly absurd the whole concept of laying everything, hanging on this huge burden on verbal communication and all these nuances of language. It seems like we've gone way down a rabbit hole and lost what is our basic, what were our basic methods of communicating. They're, they're all put away now. We don't do, use them anymore, except in these situations you're describing. Correct. So. Well, there's that whole thing about that. We are... We are higher than the animals, and for that reason, speech is what sets us apart. I'm not sure that has ever been rationalized or discussed to the extent that I'm completely sold with that whole idea. You're not completely sold with what idea? Uh, that, That humans have something that animals do not. We certainly think we do, and it gets back to cogito ergo sum, 
And there's a flip side. If I, I forget what the Latin is, I've looked it up one time. If I don't think, therefore I not, I am not. But animals do not think in the same way we do. Yet, do they have self-awareness? I don't know. That's a topic for another time. But I think I still think we're loading way too much on our consciousness and our sentience and all that stuff. That's just this giant juggling act that we're doing all the time and underneath what's underneath our verbal consciousness and when we're in a when we're in in a sauna or in a bathhouse or a bookstore or something like that there isn't a whole lot of talking and uh, then then the other part of it is once you're once you settle down with somebody and you're with them and you're having sex with them how much talking is there? Do you stop talking with your husband or your partner while you're having sex with them? Or do the jokes keep flying the whole time? Is, there, is this this constant narrative going on? Or? No, I oftentimes discuss politics while we're having sex. Is that a... Are you serious? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it could be. It could be serious. Oh, yeah. It's a complete yeah. break from all of that. <laughs> okay. I mean, you, that erection you, you, was lit rigged. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You stuffed the ballot box, didn't you? <laughs> I stuffed my ballot box. <laughs> I think I needed a good laugh. Thanks for providing that. <laughs> you spent... Well, I should kind of gather up a little chronology here. We're doing this the day after Christmas, box, what's also known as Boxing Day. And... It'll be our last one of 2020. The next time we talk, it'll be after the new year, which is now six days away. And I'm not going to do any recap. Everybody can make their own recap. Whatever happened, happened, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And there's an, our reflection or our processing of it is really kind of meaningless as Correct. far as I'm concerned. So. You know, you can ask 10 different people their opinion on one thing, and you'll get 10 different opinions. Yeah, that's certainly true. How many of them will be valid? I don't know. Now, you told me that you had spent some time at your father's house. You were with your fam multiple members of your family Correct. at various times over this holiday Correct. season. And I was thinking about the relationship of a gay man with his straight father and I my father's been gone for a long time same with you Carl and yes. I can tell you that the relationship I had with my father after I came out at age 20 something was quite good there was never any conflict or uh, any problems of any kind but it's a it's certainly a really it, it's a relationship that is fraught with peril, and I think there's lots of things that can go wrong. Because a straight man who fathers a child is, by definition, on completely different than the son that he created. And what do they have in common? They have one giant thing not in common. <laughs> Yet... Or in common, depending on how you look at it. How, how's that? How's that? Use your imagination. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I just feel like it's if a gay son and his straight father can have a bond as grown-ups, 
that's a huge deal, and yeah, a lot no. of times that does not happen. I mean, my uh, so my parents have been divorced for they got divorced when I was maybe four years old. Oh. So I really didn't grow up. I grew up mostly with my stepfather. Okay, and I. And, and I, for the most part, growing up, my, my relationship with my father was kind of strained because, mm. I mean, my mother never talked badly about my father. My father never talked badly about my mother, but he was just a really busy person. And um, I don't think he really, <clears throat> you know, he didn't want to make a lot of time for, for children at that time in his life. And now that I'm older, we can do more things together. We can have more intellectual type of conversations. He's more interested in having a relationship. So I would say later in life, my relationship with my father has improved. Okay. Significantly. I just think you're hugely lucky, and I commend both of you for mm-hmm. building that bridge. Mm-hmm. And whether it has gay or straight elements, and I'm sure that's probably under the surface a little bit or not. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it, I have a great relationship with my father, and okay. there's—I mean, it's—it's it's an interesting dynamic. Okay. I'll say that. Okay, good, <laughs> good. We want to remind you of our email address, where we ask you to send us your suggestions, your criticisms, or your request for a picture of us. We did take a picture last time, and. I've had several people say, oh, yes, I'm going to send you a request for the picture. I've yet to get one. (laughs) Gaydaysofourlives at gmail.com is our email address. When I get the request, I will send you back a picture. And I will not send you anything else. We don't use this for selling spam or anything like that. It's just a private request, one person to another. We do a few dirty jockstraps in the back room uh, that... (laughs) could be raffled off. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can be creative. <laughs> Preloaded. Oh, and thank you for the new underwear. Carl got each of us jockey shorts, and mm-hmm. these are real, actual jockey brand with the little jockey logo. Mm. And they feel wonderful, don't they? Yes. Are they with the Y? So jockey ha- is known for that unique Y-fly. Uh, these do not hit the Y flag. Okay. No. So is it the, the regular flag? These are bugle pouch. Oh, okay. Does, I haven't even tried. Does the thing open? I just pull it down. I just pull the waistband down. Yeah. So that's, that is yeah. the only way. Okay, good. Anyway, thank you, Carl, for providing that. some support. First, first <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you for your support. The love and support. I am really off my game today. <laughs> so off my game. <laughs> I've been first time his his and his underwear. Yeah, first time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will. I'm going to tell this little story about my car. I was got totally preoccupied with getting rid of my electric car because it began to act up as far as the charging, and my belief was that the warranty on the main battery was going to run out next month. Well, I went to a car dealer and I drove around in this Mercedes and I thought, oh. And they said, we'll give you this much for your car against the Mercedes. And I thought, hmm, that's not very much. So then they gave me some more, and I thought, oh, I might do this. Then I came home and started doing some research. And the warranty on my car was extended by Mitsubishi by two years. So that means they're pretty confident in what their product is. Well, yes, but I asked people on Facebook what their experiences were. There's a a group for that. And... There have been people who've had their batteries replaced under warranty. They do fail. 
So there's a specific definition of what constitutes failure in the mind of Mitsubishi. And if it reaches that point, I've got 25 months to be at that point, and I don't think I'm certainly not there yet. So I have some breathing room. So as much as I wanted this cute little black Mercedes, I'm not going to get it. I will keep my IME for a while. And I'm, I am going to buy a third car. I'm sorry, Carl, but there will be a third car. There will be another car, but it's not going to be a Rolls-Royce. Darn it. There was one in Las Vegas. I wanted it so badly. Mm. But somebody else bought it. Thank goodness. Maybe Carl bought it out from under me to make sure that I didn't buy it, and then he's going to secretly sell it to somebody else to keep it off the property. <laughs> Nothing would surprise me. And on that note, and the note is L is for the way you look at me. O is for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more that you adore. Bada bing, bada boom.